0: Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Archery Country Podcast. This is WG coming to you in the Rogers studio. As we are approaching the coolest time of the year, especially in the archery world, the hunting world, and that is season. We have our August out West guys going, and gals, and of course September here in the state and everywhere around. And today we're going to sit down with one of the coolest dudes in the market, and an, a product that in the field of archery is overwhelming when it comes to choosing. If you haven't already looked at your screen on what you're listening to, we're sitting down with SWAT broadheads, and I have Mr. Scott Romero from SWAT Broadheads, coming to you out of North Carolina. He's on the phone. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Doing good. Good morning.
0: Absolutely. It is morning and beautiful at that. So, Scott, SWAT Broadheads is something new in our shops here at Archery Country in all three locations and online. These things have been selling themselves, but we thought, why not get it out there? let some people listen to it sometimes in the world of this we say new is not always better but you're not actually new you're just new to us the first thing you look at when you see this mechanical broadhead or your fixed blades but the mechanicals that we carry in the shop is going to be our model a4 and then for the crossbow boys we got the x MAG broadhead give us a little explanation of your company if you don't mind scott um your philosophy, your business mentality—obviously, you're a very avid hunter, uh, successful target archer. So, accuracy is a word that you have in your pocket at all time. If you wouldn't mind, just give us a little dabble. What Shot Broadheads is, and who you are, and what we stand for.
1: Yeah, well, I'm retired military, and we're, we're a veteran known company. We have all veteran employees, and we started in 2016. I've been bow hunting and I shot professional archery for over 20 years and I've been bow hunting for uh over 30 years <clears throat> and I want to say it was probably around 2013 or 2012 I was hunting in Illinois and this would have been the biggest buck I've, I had ever taken and I, I shot him with a two-blade broadhead and it looked like a hard shot you know it was a smidge low maybe and the deer runs about 90 yards stands behind the tree I see blood coming out of the deer I'm, I'm looking at it with my binoculars and I see a perfect slit horizontal and I watched the deer for like a half an hour. And he walks off, I back out, do everything you're supposed to do. I go back the next morning, tracking for six, 700 yards, never find the deer. Mm. And, uh, I guess it was probably that same year. I went up to a place I hunt in North Carolina. Uh, and I was gun hunting that day. I don't gun hunt anymore, but at that time I was. I shot a deer, same location, the impact isn't what took the deer, it was the hemorrhage. The deer ran around in a circle and fell over dead.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> and I'm thinking to myself, uh, I, I should be able to shoot them with a bow. They run around in a circle and fall over dead, Right? Yeah. <laughs> that would make, that would make bow a lot easier. Absolutely. And I, I have a mechanical engineering degree, so I put a lot of time into it. You know, just, uh, I did a lot of rapid prototyping, uh, I did a lot of 3D printing and models, trying to figure it out. And finally, it was probably in the middle of the night it hit me. The only way I can get the cut that I need <clears throat> and and still get penetration is I go in two blades. But after it gets into the vitals, I get a way for secondary blades to open, perpendicular to the original cut. So that way I don't have to worry about what I call the parallel wound. The parallel wound would be an arrow too low, horizontal cut just under the heart, vertical cut, Behind the lungs, liver shot, that's a 12, 24 hour ordeal. High through the back strap, could have cut the lung area if you'd have perpendicular blades and so on and so forth. So it hit me that, hey, if I could go in two, open up at the vitals the secondary set and come out four, you know, I wouldn't have this issue. And if I don't get an exit wound, it's not the end of the world because you're never guaranteed an exit wave, especially on a hard quartering shot if you hit the front shoulder or leg bone. Right. So... Uh, I started working on that, you know, I had I had lists, you know, pros and cons and things I needed to put in there. And over time it just hit me, you know, the A four which you guys are carrying. Uh then you know it has two patents, but you know, one of the main patents is it's it's the broadhead that goes in two blades, secondary blades open and inter- internal in the cavity and comes out four blades. And uh the first time I shot a deer with that, it ran around in a circle until I was head. So yeah. I knew I I knew I had it. The goal was met. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And then the crossbow version that you guys are in was an accident. I hate to say that, but when I designed the broadhead, I I shoot professional archery. When I first designed the feral, I designed it just like a high dollar target point. It was fairly long and parabolic in shape like a bullet. So it would fly at mm-hmm. high speeds. Well, I had you know, after the first year I was getting calls from high speed crossbow guys, you know, that loved the broadhead. So I went ahead and, and made another model, exactly same barrel, but I made the blaze a little bigger. And that's how the crossbow Magnum was created.
0: You know, the design of these, and I apologize for the delay on that because of my eyes, I just opened up a pack, right? Uh, I got the opportunity. Scott sent us some demos and Jake, the owner and Dan and myself here in Rogers, we got quite a few different options to play with. But when I open this, so when you look at the package, very well made, by the way, um, very well, I appeal kind of your guys' claim as we talk about that is drain your game. And when we look at the broadhead itself, you can tell that it's not just a gimmick, right? It's not just a China made something, other whatever. It looks very dangerous. Uh, and, and the little, little suckers are sharp as hell if you're not careful on what you're doing. But when you have to actually like open one of these up to understand what you're talking about, a two blade entry, it's like fail proof that that's not going to open. Um, Give us your background when you, when you design that, you gave us a little on the, the two blade in and the four blade out, but where, what do you call those little, I'm trying to talk here, the little, the little wings that are going to first. Okay. So we have like on the A4, we have a, a very sharp tip that is actually two blades put together. Correct?
1: That's correct. And they're, and they're actually perpendicular and they're on a different axis than the other blades. So just like a bullet, when it mushrooms, you know, and you have all those cutting edges around the bullet, yes, the, you get the same thing with the, with the bladed A4 and crossbow magnum where all those blades, so the front tip blades are 440C and they're not a huge cut, but they are a cut and they're on a different axis than all the other blades. So you're, it's almost like that mushroom effect that you see from a bullet.
0: And what I like about a tip that actually has blades, okay, like you said, it's not a huge cut right? But what it is, it's cutting, it's not poking. So we've all done the, we've all done the piece of paper or the cardboard test, or you, you know, you put it on something like a little, a piece of spandex and you try to push a point through, you have what we call loss of kinetic energy. But if you have blades, like I'm doing it right now on a piece of paper, I'm cutting before my entry blades are even touching. I have, I wouldn't know if it's not quite a quarter, it's a little bit under, but it's, I believe in a broadhead that actually cuts upon contact. Even if it's a very minute cutting surface, it's still cutting. Then we get into the meat grabbers of your entry blades.
1: And and the hardcore chisel point guys, you know, they, they like a chisel point because they're, they're nervous about a blade digging into the bone, into the rib or into the shoulder but you'll see that those two blades are perpendicular. So it's only to a point. And then really when it get to that second blade, it acts like a chisel point where it's going to push that chip off and around the bone and then on through.
0: And then of course the dynamic, the big major selling point of this is as I move down the ferrule and, and to bring it out for guys and gals that are looking at this, obviously you're on your smartphone right now or on your laptop and you've brought up swap breadheads and you're looking at the designs. Okay. So follow us I'm very, very intrigued about the, when you say target archer, like when we, we take a ballistic point for our 3d arrows or when we're running our field arrows for redding and we, it's a little bit longer bulbed ferrule. feral. Your feral actually is not, it is, it is long, but it's not as long as others. It's a very compact mechanical in my mind. And that helps with our accuracy, uh, less surface area, as far as feral, I'm only talking about the ferrule, not the blades. There was how many like prototypes and demos until you got this certain length? And and are all your broadheads this length or do they is it different sizes obviously for different grains?
1: Well, I, I originally just designed the shape of it and then of course I had to change it multiple times as I was doing different iterations of the blade. So the other thing too too nice about our aluminum barrels is I, I got tired of buying broadheads. Shoot a dough with one, it, it would bend, yeah. and it was junk. Yeah. You know, I couldn't use it ever again. And uh, so I went from sixty sixty one to seventy seventy five, which is twice as strong, but it's also three times as much to make them. But you know, you're going to get repeatability out of your broadhead. Also, when you machine it, you can machine it even straighter. So that's why we have a straightness guarantee. So to answer your question, we did multiple iterations. I tried to make it as compact as possible. And we do have uh, a newer titanium version that's even more compact than that. It just doesn't have the same amount of cut, but it's pretty close.
0: I love it. All right, so we have it's four blades, and actually, if you wanted to talk in spectro, it's six, but it's it's four blade mechanical that I have in my hand. And this day and age, people will always come in. You've been in a pro shop many times, if not worked at it. You have multiple pro shop uh, customers that you're running. So when people talk about it, they're like, well, I'm, i I cannot shoot a broadhead that has a rubber band, or I, I don't want to have a broadhead that has plastic sleeves. I couldn't agree more with them, right? Because when you put it into your quiver, the sunbuck just breaks or, or it bends and, and then you're lost. And then you're sitting out there with a broadhead that doesn't work. Let's dabble a little bit about, this is not this. I have to, you have to tell me the name of it because I've saying I'm going to say it wrong, but it's a non- latex blade containment. Um, Explain that to me, like what this band is and why it's a a predecessor over anything else.
1: Yeah, and we've designed and and continue to work on mechanical closure, broadheads, but we see whenever we test them that we lose penetration. Every time you bind a blade with some kind of mechanical closure, it requires a certain amount of force to get that blade open. And that's force that we could be using. It, it for also, you don't really see mechanical closures. So your blades are closed. You you, you know you open your tree stand. You got your headlamp on. Your blades are closed. You know deer comes out at daylight, and you shoot your. And the next thing you know, the, bro, the broadhead just takes off in one direction. Well, it's because the mechanical closure it wasn't all the way, so the blade opened when you shot when you shot the broadhead. When you use that military-grade strap. It's a non-rubber material. It doesn't deteriorate over time. UV doesn't wear it down. So it's not one of those things where you're during your broad edge and your quiver all off-season and then you pull your bow out or your crossbow out and they're all rotten. Uh, when you use that, you don't have to worry, worry about any pre-deployment. You can see that all your blades are contained. And the only force it requires to get the bra- blades free is the amount of force it takes for that blade to cut that strap off on impact. And the other nice thing too is, you know, it's been tested, and when I mean tested, I mean at over a thousand feet per second. I haven't done it. I've, I get emails from guys. I have witnessed six hundred feet per second out of an airbell. So uh, no pre-deployment doesn't matter how fast you shoot it. And when I start talking about high-speed shooting, you know, we're talking five hundred feet per second plus. I get pictures of groups at. Well over hundred yards, 125, 150 yards, you know, inch and a half groups with those broadheads. Uh, well, if you go on my Facebook right now, you'll see a guy that sent me a text of the Moab, which is the exact same design with a chisel point and, uh, 95 yards in a spot and the exact same spot as a steel point at 95 yards.
0: And that's what and should- we're like, I mean, so, okay, break it down. 75% of the archers that walk through the door are your, your weekend benders, your maybe one hunt a year. They put a ton of trust into the pro shop. They put a ton of trust into what we're telling them the product has to work. The other 25% of the archers that walk through the door are target-orientated, and now with, like, TAC events and Bowfest and the Kimball Powder Ridge shoots, Archers are starting to realize that even practicing extended distance, which you and I, Scott, we know this from target archery, like, you know, 50 yards is 50 yards. But if you can practice at 120, you can probably pull off a shot at 65, 75 when elements are right. Now, we're not talking ethics, and we're not here to persuade you one way or the other. But when you do all this fine-tuned practicing and you do the broadhead tuning and, and you're, you're kind of set, if you don't have the right tool, on the front end of your arrow to allow you to be that accurate, then there's no sense whatsoever. So back when you and I started hunting back in the day, I mean, when I started, it was a pack of Thunderhead 125s from the fleet farm rack or farm and fleet store and you screwed them on and you were lucky with the amount of surface drag and, and, you know, everything else that you had penetration, that wasn't the problem, but hitting a paper plate at 50 yards sometimes was unreachable. Now we have tools to where we can still be field point accuracy. And that's a major, major thing when we talk broadheads, especially, you know, that's the big swing in mechanicals is it is a little bit less work when you have a tool that's going to fly like a field point.
1: Yeah, and I consider myself an obsessive, crazy bow hunter. Uh, so um, I think there's probably a lot of people listening that bow hunt that fall in the exact same category. So, you know, I've shot, I I always do the same thing that everybody does. Sight my bow in, make sure it's tuned, you know, all that. I shoot it out to, usually I'll sight into 60-plus, and uh, and then I shoot my broadheads and see how they get. Well, <laughs> after years of shooting my broadheads, I spin them to make sure they're straight, Yep. and I put them in the clipper. <laughs> I just side in. Right. I, you know, I just, I just side in and I know it's going to hit. Uh, and I had a pro archer that, uh, that shot for me for, for years. And, uh, and he told me one time, I knew this, but do you remember, uh, remember whenever you would get, like when you were talking about the fixed blade broadheads, I used to shoot satellite 110s years ago and I shot 24, full length with five oh, yeah. inch clutch. Yep. Just to, just to get them to where, they would group tight at, you know, 40 plus. Yeah, And then I would notice when I would shoot that same arrow with a field point, my groups weren't as tight as they were with my broadhead. Yeah. You get a little bit of, you know, when if you get the broad, if you get everything just right, you get just a little extra steerage and everything's a little tighter on the other end. And, uh, and I knew this and, and you know, this guy was a pro. So, I you know, I, when he said it, I, I knew I was right. He goes, you know, I think they grew better than my field points. <laughs> right. I said, I said, yeah, I know
0: that. I said, yeah. So and that's a great feeling. It is. And I, I'm good friends with Brandon Reyes. Uh, I, okay. So I take that back. I'm not great friends with that, but we know each other as far as a professional level. And we talk very regularly because we carry a lot of the products in the shop.
1: And he shoots my broadheads.
0: And I, I asked him straight up. Uh, his biggest whitetail, which was, you know, a social media freak and, and was all over the world, it's a phenomenal buck. And I asked him, you know, I said, well, okay, give me a little insight on these SWAT broadheads. And he sent me pictures, and I, if with your permission, uh, I'll give this the pictures he sent me to social media. I was like, okay, Brandon, really? And he said, no, honest to God, these are, as soon as we caped them out, and scan him, this is, I just started snapping photos because I could not believe it. And he comes, if there's, if there's five people in the world, I'm going to talk about two of them that demand accuracy, right? He, he's in a, he's in a whole different realm as far as different components on your bow that help you with accuracy. So when I ask a person about broadheads, he's one I'm going to trust. Another fellow archer that's just south of us, about four and a half hours is Jeff Hopkins. And that dude as you well know i believe he's one of your shooters he there's he not nothing he it. can't hit and when he says yep wade these things are going to hit exactly where your dot is where your pin is do your job and the broadhead does it and he showed me some pictures and i was blown away i could not believe now after actually seeing the broadheads in hand well yeah it's a no brainer right it's it's a huge is it cutting? I guess you could say, because if if we were to break it down, Scott, some states you can't go over two inches, right? Per blade, right. Per, bl- uh, per set of blades, I should say, diameter. Right. But something that you brought up in the very first sentence of your introduction is we have two different, we have, is it not parallel? Perpendicular cutting surfaces. Yep. So to put that all up in a little cute package to where it flies like a freaking bullet and cuts like, you know, a whole knife set when you're going through there is astonishing. But if you want my Scott, take us through or we can talk about Jeff and and Brandon and you have some other great pros that aren't so much as the target lineup, but is when it comes to hunting, uh, they have a long, long, long list of accolades. And we're not just talking about white tailed deer. You know, we could say hogs, we can say elk, we can you know, we're You've used them on everything, am I right?
1: That's correct. In Africa, uh, I've had some. I've had some guys in Texas that have shot some hogs in every direction you can imagine. Uh, probably even have some of the videos on my Facebook page. Uh, I, you know, another good story is uh, uh, we we sponsored Full Draw Adventures, which was also tied to Brandon, and, and I know a lot of the guys on there, and the main and the main producer and the owner. Uh, from years of target archery, and the year before they shot our broadheads, I think they lost maybe ten, twenty percent of the animals. They they had some issues, mm-hmm. and uh, the next year they shot my broadheads exclusively. I think they took fifteen whitetails over one hundred and fifty, and they had one hundred percent success rate. And you should see some of the shots. Yeah, <laughs> like and <laughs> like towards you. I mean these were it was a different model, it wasn't that full cut, but uh you know, there was one uh in Illinois where he shot at sixty five yards and I he sent me the video and I'm looking at the video and I'm like, Oh no, he shot him in the leg. And the deer runs about thirty yards and blood starts shooting out of its face and it falls over. It went through basically the back portion of the leg, shoulder area, and then right into the heart opposite shoulder. <clears throat> it was spectacular. And that's a that video. Want that video is on my Facebook page also. So, uh, yeah, Jeff, Jeff, uh, he shoots the hybrid, which is, which is another patented model we have. And that's you know, for the guys that have to have a fixed blade broadhead. Yep. I designed one, but since I love mechanicals, um, I made it to where you can shoot it fixed or mechanical. And in the mechanical position, it's, it's smaller than, um, than field points that you would buy. But the, the steel version cuts a total of two and three eighths inch. And the titanium cuts two and five eighth inch, and you can shoot it fixed or mechanical. And uh, <clears throat> uh, even in the fixed position, because of the way the blades are shaped, they don't have a lot of surface area, so you don't see the planing that you would typically see in a fixed blade broadhead. Basically, the same concept applies like a
0: dart. And let's talk a little bit about that. Let's break it down because we have some absolute archery geeks that listen in on this podcast, and we love you penetration 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 it's like third thing on my list that i worry about and i don't know about you but you you have to make broadheads and you hear about this every day when we say a sweep you and i will talk blade angles okay so are you on the same page as me Mm -hmm. we have a mechanical two inch entry wound but your blades are swept back to an, I don't have an angle finder here. You can tell me what angle they are on the broadhead I'm holding, but that is where we get penetration. That's if, right. if you have blades that stick straight out, if they're not at a swept okay. angle, there has, there's a certain degree of angle. You can't go too far. You won't get the cut. You can't go obtuse or acute on the other side of things, or you're going to just basically hit and then it's going to stick. Right? So many, many calculations and engineering feats in your, your degree and that the blade angle on these aids in our penetration.
1: Yeah. And I can give you, I can give you real world so we can, you know, we can talk about the, the angles <clears> that I, I have per- personally witnessed two very large white tails. So we're talking five and a half year old, one I shot, one I was with my buddy when he shot. And uh, both of them were around 30, 35 yards. Both of them were off the shoulder. this is with the A4. And uh, buried in the fletch, broadhead hanging out the other side. Uh, the one that my buddy shot didn't make it out of the bean field. It was uh, he went about 30 yards. He, he skid, so pushed with his back legs, front legs back behind him. he skid for 15 yards and then fell over. This is a mature whitetail. Yep. And opening day opening day of season in, in Ohio, <clears throat> he had no idea what had hit him. And then I shot a whitetail in Ohio a couple of years ago, he was a, a seven that was 22 inches wide with a drop time. Oh boy. So he was, Ooh he was boy. pretty old here. and same exact scenario, I cut off the shoulder, heart area, buried to the fletch. He turned, ran up the ridge. By the time he got halfway up the ridge, which was about twenty yards, uh, the arrow had come out the other side, and then he had, and then he fell over. But <clears throat> I mean, right now, I know you guys have the A four and you have the Crossbow Magnum. But you know, I, over time, you know, I realized that not everybody's shooting, you know, seventy pounds and uh, you know a reasonably weighted arrow. Yep. So <clears throat> you know, we now we have the juggernaut the, the juggernaut titanium ferrule, you can, you can actually change the front, front blade angle. It, it's a smaller cut. Uh, you can change it to even a narrower cut, or you can make it free floating the Moab. Same thing. You can shoot it. Those blades are laid back even more, or you can shoot it free floating the front blades. Uh, and then the same with the crossbow Magnum titanium, you can shoot it at, at, close to two inch cut or you can you can rotate the actual locking mechanism and make the blades lay back even more now with all that being said the a4 is <laughs> what i still hunt with 99 percent of the time when i go to ohio this year to hunt i'll have a4s on the front of my on the front of my arrows most likely i do like the juggernaut also but uh i know as long as i don't do anything silly and i see the rib cage and i stay on the rib cage What's gonna happen, which is I'm gonna see the deer go down. Yep. Which I
0: love. And the biggest thing in you we did a podcast which uh, I don't believe it's released yet, but about uh it was up in Minnesota now and surrounding states were allowed to use blood trailing dogs, right? For mm-hmm. some of your marginal hits. And and the gentleman that's on that podcast is a, a super cool dude and like very, very knowledgeable. And he he verbatim said exactly what you just said. He said, okay, look at your dear shoulder. Go back three ribs. Look at the rib cage, not the shoulder. Don't look at this sight unseen, you know, little magic triangle that everybody for 10 years was teaching everybody to hit. He said, look at the gosh dang ribs and put the broadhead in there. And he was talking about some specific mechanicals, you know, that, that allows. And he says, then... If you have trouble finding your deer you can call me and i can be able to track it because you need blood right you need stuff on the ground because we're humans and, it's, and even if you use a dog again going back to four blades not just two but four blades to give you massive entry wounds even bigger exit wounds and then Hemorrhaging is a word that sometimes gets overlooked. You know, we've always talked about it in horror movies or ER and this and that, but you got to get some blades in there and cut all that stuff up. So you have faster retrieval. You see, you've said it probably 15 times already on this podcast, watching the animal go down. You know, that's a pretty big statement and you have a tool that's going to allow that.
1: Yeah. I think on my Facebook page, uh, and I shot a deer in the liver in Illinois. Uh, I don't know, maybe mid two thousands. I gave him eight hours. Maybe it was in the morning. So it was probably three or four o'clock in the afternoon. Like walked up on a deer. still alive. I put him, I put him down, but, uh, I haven't shot a deer in the liver in my broadhead, but I do have testimony. So I think on my Facebook page, guy was a pro archer. He bought the broadheads, uh, he shot his biggest buck in Illinois through the liver. Uh, he went 150 yards. Yep. 150 yards. And, and, the blood was so massive that, you know, they, of course, he probably in the tree for a half hour, 45 minutes, but, uh, you know, it wasn't that 12 hour ordeal. Right. I think another, uh, another good example is, uh, Jody Foster, who used to be the CEO of bad boy buggies. He bought my broadheads. And this was probably in two, about a year or so after we were, 2017. Yep. And he calls me out of clear blue. I didn't, I didn't know him from Adam. You know, and he's like, Scott, I was hunting with two blade broadheads and I, I lost a deer last year on camera. I felt like I should have never lost a deer. I go to Kansas. I shoot the biggest buck of my life with your broadheads. It wasn't a good shot. I knew it was not a good shot. I'm in the tree hanging my head. Thinking, I'm never going to see this deer. I get out to where he's standing, there's blood everywhere. I walk up over the top of the ridge, and there he is, my hand thick. And, you know, since then, I I, had, yeah, I formed a great relationship with the guy, and uh, we still talk. And all he has. He's been to Africa. I don't even know how many animals he's, he, whenever I talk to him, he goes, Scott, I've shot over two of your broadheads, now I haven't lost one. So that's a pretty good testimony. That's a,
0: yeah, huge testimony. Let's dabble a little bit on this. So right now in the phenomenon of archery, a word that uh, sometimes I take to heart, sometimes I just kind of shrug off is we have these super heavy arrow built guys. Okay. And then we have extreme fuck. We did a podcast about just arrows it was Jake and Jason and I, and we, we, we don't care what you do. We'll build whatever you want for, for front of center. If you already have your arrows built, just on this broadhead that I'm using, let's say I wanted to jump to 125 grains. I don't have to search around the shop to find another pack of broadheads. Usually when we add even 25 grains to the ferrule, we have to elongate the ferrule or make the blades different. But on this A4, all I have to do is, well, one, I can look on your website, but it's a basically a collar that I put behind where the ferrule meets the arrow and it seats and it fits on there. How did you guys come up with that idea? And is it available on all your broadheads?
1: Well, uh, I, you know, we didn't want to make a whole other ferrule that created that weight. And we, and you know, I'm a pro archer hunter. So I, everybody else thinks, uh, I, I just want to try, <laughs> 125 grain head and see how it shoots yep. compared to my 100 grain head, and I don't want to go buy a pack of broadheads that I may or may not shoot. Right. So, so we came up with a W25 weighted collar that you can put on there, and you can add 25 grains to your head, and get it to 125 grains, and and try it. Uh, and you know, and weight has been, you know, lately it has really, especially now that cars have gotten, it, it has. Uh, become a focal point, I think, of a lot of hunters where they're trying to get back to when you and I started the, the Eastern game getter days of uh, you know <laughs> yep. five hundred, five hundred and fifty grain arrows. Uh, and you know, I'm that's a whole nother podcast. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it, the, the you know the formula is one and a half times mass times velocity squared, and and there's give and take there. So that's just you know, that's up to the archer. But me personally, I shoot between 425 to 450 arrow. Yeah. And I, and I like to pull a, a lot of poundage because if I can do it, you know, if I'm healthy and it's not hurting my shoulders, my theory is I'm going to hit them hard. Yeah. So, uh, I do pull quite a bit of weight when I'm hunting. It's only one shot. And, uh, but you know, I, you know, there's, there's bows now that 60 pounds, create as much kinetic energy as, as, a bow that was 70 pounds five years ago.
0: So yep. exactly right. Exactly right. So in my mind, uh, I mean, and again, we're, we're getting off topic on that whole other podcast arrows, but speed is forgiveness in my mind. Um, you mm-hmm. can get, you can get way too fast, but that if you, if you have a properly tuned bow and you're shooting a mechanical broadhead, I can prove to you that fast is not an issue. I can take a Raven R five hundred that shoots five hundred and sixteen feet per second with a twenty inch bolt and put on an X make broadhead and hold a three inch group at a hundred yards. Um, it's on video. It like it. It's not a thing, right? You know what I'm saying? And that's mm-hmm. that's being steered with a little blazer vein, so you don't have to have a five inch feather. You don't have whatever. Anyways, the basis of that. Is accuracy is just as important. Penetration is important. Cutting surface is very very important. But if you can't meld all three of them together in a package, then we'll, you know what are you doing, right? Then you then you have the guys that just buy something and it's a band aid. Oh, I made a terrible shot. I have a huge cutting channel and it's a band aid. Um, this is not an over the top broadhead. So there's your penetration right there. Uh, Mm -hmm. it has a, you know, a system on it. That's going to hold all your blades together. I've opened up. You'd laugh at me right now because I think we had eight or 10 of the rubber bands. They're not rubber bands. Sorry. I forgot. I don't, I take that back. The blade containment system. Well,
1: military military grade strap. It's actually the same material that Navy Steel's used to strap their, uh, So if they have documents they're trying to keep sealed or whatever, it's it's the same material. That's how I came up with the idea. it? Really? Yep. That's awesome. Same material. Doesn't deteriorate, doesn't change the weather. You know, it lasts. uh, And, you know, I know know the stigma around O-rings, rubber bands, all of that because of years of dealing with it. Uh, There's also a stigma attached to mechanical closures. And, uh, I think we found the best of both worlds with the mill strap. Yeah. And just to add to, you were talking about the groups, uh, the crossbows. And you guys just started getting them in there, but I, what I've seen historically, I think you and I were, were talking earlier, you know, I, I got, I have small shops, just regular dealers that, that order, that just ordered like 28 cases of crossbow magnums because he sells a lot of high speed crossbows and He knows when he sells them that crossbow that if they use this broadhead, that it's going to fly perfect, that it's going to hit where they're aiming and they're going to recover their animal. And, uh, and it pretty much is just takes over, you know, not just the vertical bow market, but it just kind of takes over even in the crossbow market. So if you're going to spend, you know, $2,000 on a high speed crossbow, you want to have as much cut as possible and as much accuracy as possible.
0: So. Absolutely. And and let's dabble a little bit on crossbows because uh, we sell some very high end and we with, you know, it's a major, major market, especially for our three locations. And there, you know, there's guys that they they can't physically, uh, my dad being one of them, um, he had to drop his bow down, to where i would say it's not lethal poundage but it's still legal and it wasn't so much the poundage but he just couldn't hold with his shoulder injury and his back injury he couldn't hold a bow for more than a couple seconds before the shakes and the getting off target so he he basically just quit he needed to get a crossbow he got a crossbow and now it's like oh my gosh we got to go get another deer because dad shot another deer (laughs) um one thing you run into Exactly what you said. If you buy a $2,000, $3,000 crossbow, or even if you bought a $1,000 crossbow, it doesn't matter the price. You buy it because it's accurate. Well, accuracy with a field point and whatever veins are on that bolt, if you're not shooting a broadhead that flies like your field point, you're doing a whole new skew. But unlike a compound bow, vertical bow, we cannot tune, except for one crossbow on the market, you cannot tune the rest. You can't mess with the cables. You're not. You're not doing any of the tuning issues. So you have to re- pretty much rely on a different fletching, or you have to rely on something that's going to fly. And I've had it many times. Guys will walk back to 80 yards. They'll screw on a broadhead. I give. I command that. I recommend them for actually shooting their broadhead to see. And they're like, "Well, we got to resight in." I'm like, "Well, I'm sorry. I guess you have to recite in." Now I can grab a pack of broadheads off of the shelf, put it on their bolt, and say, "Okay, now I'll walk back to sixty yards and shoot it." And not only are you going to hit within a half inch of your field point—this is a disclaimer—if you're doing your job right, but you're going to have a devastating broadhead. You're going to have something that's—I mean, we don't have to worry much about penetration on a crossbow, especially with the crossbow magnum. Uh, are there are there other lines in the crossbow? Besides the X-Mag that I have in my hand?
1: So we have the Crossbow Magnum, and we have the Crossbow Magnum Chisel Point for the guys that die hard chisel point guys, which has a hardened steel okay. chisel point on the front. And then uh, we just released this year the Crossbow Magnum Titanium, which is a fluted chisel point, uh, very compact titanium barrel. It doesn't cut total three and and uh, 3 quarter; it cuts three and a half inches. But still, it's, it's devastating and uh, flies just like the other ones, operates just like the other ones, two-blade entry, four-blade exit, and a titanium barrel. The nice thing about the titanium barrel is it's all screws for the blades, uh, and uh, so you can – it's easier to rebuild, but you still have some issues with titanium and stainless steel screws. So depending on what you shot, how you shot it, you know, they're not always 100% rebuildable. But uh, it's pretty close, and even with the broadheads we have now, if you were to buy broadheads that were all pins, which is the nice thing about pins is that these are broadhead extremely balanced at high speeds, and when the arrow is rotating or the bolt's rotating, it's one of the reasons we use pins. You can't shear those; they're hardened 420 stainless steel. <clears throat> if a broadhead does need to be rebuilt, uh, as long as someone purchases a blade kit, they can either send us the broadheads with the blade kit while we build it. Or they can buy the blade kit and send us to Broadheads and we'll rebuild. Them. If if that's what they want to do. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep.
0: And then like our crossbow the crossbow Magnum, where we don't have to worry about a rate a speed rating. Uh right now I think the fastest crossbow on the market is five, pushing five thirty feet per second is the words that I'm searching for. Um I don't even see it just, on the packaging here there's Unrated, unlimited speeds. And that's a pretty big slogan to go off of because you've actually seen it.
1: I've seen it out of an air bolt and I've, I've got emails on, I guess there's a 45 caliber gun that shoots a bolt. I don't know, over a thousand feet per second. I've, I've never, I haven't even done the research on it, but I'm just going off of what people have told me and no pre-deployment and then still you get the benefits of the easy opening on impact but you don't have to worry about pre-deployment. I think on a mechanical closure from the inertia, it would have to be an extremely tight mechanical closure to ensure no pre-de- blade pre-deployment. And you're going to see that especially as the speeds increase in the crossbows. And you know, there's what they're going to do to uh, counteract the high speeds is they're just going to make that mechanical closure even tighter. Right. And and then still you got all the things with the mechanical closure. You can't see it. You can't feel it. Uh, you know, you're never hundred percent sure if it's not going to deploy. right. So now we, that's, can, that's physically it. It. we, we can
0: physically see it. We physically can look at it and see it. All right. So we have a YouTube channel and there's a lot of cool things on there. I was surfing it this morning, watching some cool things. Uh, one thing that, that I asked you off air and it's very, very simple let's say that I do take this broadhead that I have in my hand and I'm going to, I want to, I want to shoot it just for reassurance to see accuracy, right? I want to prove myself correct. So I have confidence. Confidence is the number one thing when it comes to a lethal arrow build, bow build. So, all right, I shot this broadhead into a broadhead rated target. I pull it out and I want to reuse it. The, how take us through that. You can watch the YouTube and it's going to be tied to the bottom of this podcast. And I, I strongly encourage you how, explain to me how easy it is to put this back together.
1: So there is a video uh, on our YouTube channel called SWAT Nail strap. I think I released it a few years ago mm-hmm. and uh, you can actually put the band on with a, with a uh, toothpick if you want But the way to do it is just stretch it out a little bit and stretch the strap, ease it over the tip of the blade, and then just do one side at a time. You can do it with like a little paper clip, or you can do it with a uh, a toothpick, and you just work it around, and then I show how to tuck it in, so that way it's lined up perfect for high speeds, and you're good to go. Uh, It's even easier on the chisel point versions, of course, Uh, but it's really, once you do it a couple times, it's it's not difficult.
0: Yeah, and it gives you the opportunity, again, to make sure all your blades are closed, uh, I see exactly what you're saying about tucking it in behind that. Uh, and then you can go ahead and shoot it again. Everything is good. And they give you a couple different, uh, or not different, but a couple extra so that you can, uh, you do, that. I strongly encourage it. We're, we're Scott, uh, phenomenal product. Again, YouTube video, get on us Facebook like that. You guys do your social media. This is very cool. Every day we get notifications, especially on Instagram um pictures and and shots and they're uh pretty pretty graphic videos, but that's what we want when it comes to it. Where are you headed this fall? What do we got what do we got tags in the pocket for?
1: I d I didn't get drawn for New Mexico, so I put in for New Mexico, didn't get drawn. Uh I bought another point in Iowa, so I'm not going to Iowa. Uh my probably my only trip this year, which I will probably I'll go to i hopefully shoot a really good deer will be Ohio. So I have a lease in Ohio. Uh, I'll probably start going there in October and I'll try and get up there, you know, the red moon of October. There's three of them. I'll, I'll probably hunt all three of those. And, and then early November, but you know, when everybody thinks, oh, you know, it's a broadhead company, you can right. run whatever he wants. So well ATA is right around the corner. Yeah. So usually I'll get back, I'll get back in November and Early November, and then that's my main focus, making sure I got all the new product lined up, the new catalog, all the new promotional videos, all that has to be ready. The booth for ATA. Uh, And I'm glad this podcast is not going to be heard in North Carolina because I do have, uh, and this is Eastern North Carolina where they dog hunt with rifles. I do have a 140-inch 10-pointer on camera, (laughs) which is unheard of. Right, And that's what happens when you lease a place for five years and you don't shoot any bucks. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and he's corn head. He likes to get around. Uh, <laughs> the one problem is, is if you can see well at night, that's his only problem right now. But, uh, I'm, I, I barely fed him <clears throat> starting late August. I'm going to really feed him and hopefully he decides he wants to get there a little early.
0: Heck yeah, so, dude. So, uh, uh, yeah, if, if you're listening, Um, we didn't say anything. I gotta, I gotta put you on the spot, Scott. Uh, we have a tag creep or point creep is something that we have to talk about on uh, different scenarios, but there's a lot of guys that get you on every year, every other year, every five years, wherever it may be, depending on the unit, depending on the state, depending on the animal. But, uh, we have a ton of guys that, uh, bear hunting is right around the corner uh up here in minnesota wisconsin as well you got to get drawn and then also our elk hunters uh that are going out west they're still they're still done a bunch of outfitters and there's still a bunch of guys that are way better elk hunters they live eat sleep and breathe elk hunting if you wouldn't mind i know you have some pretty cool stories about an elk hunt but before i get to the elk hunt portion of it bear hunting for those of you that never been around a bear or shot a bear they have a ton of fatty tissue they have a different hair system uh their body hair can be thicker on that they're probably not an animal that you would want to shoot a standard two blade broadhead at because when we talk about fatty and skin lap uh that gap can close up and it's they're not going to bleed that well the first thing that one of our employees here, who drew a bear tag, um, we're not allowed to have cameras out or bait yet up in Minnesota, but when they start doing that, there, there's some massive bears on there. He grabbed this broadhead off of the pack, or out of the, when we unboxed him, and he said, okay, I just found my bear head. And I said, well, what do you mean? Because I've never bear hunted. I said, well, what do, we, what do you mean? Why are you going on that? He goes, well, one... I'm not shooting very far, but the accuracy I don't have to worry about he was I have four blades, and I know that this is gonna go through the other side of that bear. He's not gonna go very far. what are your What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I haven't shot a bear with one. i, I we have a lot of bears. Some of the biggest black bear in the world are in eastern North Carolina, but the black bear that are on my lease, they vacation somewhere else when the season opens up. So they summer. Where I'm at, but they go somewhere else for the winter, and they don't hibernate here like they do <laughs> up north. But you know, they just don't like me. But <clears throat> so we we have some very well known guys in the industry that uh, have shot better with the A4. Uh, I have uh, Scorpion Canada. All he sh- all he shoots is out of his crossbows, and all he sells with his crossbow, recommends with his crossbows are are swat. And actually, they just took some bear the spring with the X-Mac Titanium, but, you know, religiously, he shot the crossbow magnum, the A4s, uh, all the broadheads that you carry. And, uh, I, and there's even a video, there's a video on my Facebook right now of a bear being shot with a crossbow magnum. And when it hit him, he jumped straight in the air and spun around almost 360 degrees, and then he ran up the side of the hill and fell over dead. And that's what we see a lot with that broadhead. So the employee in your shop is right on the mark. When you shoot them with that, it doesn't take long.
0: And that's what you need because you don't want to trail. You don't want to trail them in dark. You don't want to trail bear anyways. You want to see them go to any animal. Um, all right, switch this, the page on that to a whole completely different animal. There are still some outfitters. Um, now with their states have gone as far as regulations, mechanicals are allowed in, I think, almost every state. I Don't quote okay. me on that. Check your regulations. But I think after uh, Idaho went. You uh, still there?
1: Idaho, I think, was the last. I think
0: Idaho yeah. was the last one. Yep. So, okay. We still have some outfitters. We still have some guides. And, and we still have some very professional hunters that are like, I'm only going to shoot a fixed blade on an elk. Okay. That's fine that, you know, that, okay, opinion, or you've seen some stuff. It's hard for a guide or an outfitter, especially when you have an eastern hunter, we say East River, that, you know, maybe they purchased a new bow and their broadheads aren't tuned, or they're, you know, they're just not, like, 100%, and you have an off hit. And, and elk is an extremely different animal um, to kill. This is something, sometimes you got to take some long shots on an elk. I was very intrigued. I don't know if this video is on your Facebook, but I will. If it's not, it should be. It's very graphic, but this guy smokes like a 330-inch bull at 40 yards. And usually your elk run off, right? And then you have to do what you got to do. The bull turned around and went. He didn't even know he was hit, but there's blood both holes. I don't know exactly what broadhead it was. I thought it was an A4 because it was black, you know, in, like, the B-roll. Oh. And then the bull circles around and goes back to his harem cows and starts, you know, starts to bugle. And when he bugles, like, blood comes out everywhere. And this guy shoots him again at 70. And the hole is a half inch difference, but when, you know, when he walked up on it, that's two exits and two entry holes from the same broadhead, same, same package of broadheads. And it's just amazing to me that when somebody sees that, that they're not like totally turned on to why would you not shoot a broadhead that the penetration was phenomenal. It was at two completely different yardages with the same bow. So that should prove a point to you. And then the nature of the beast is he's dead on camera within 80 yards, two shots. You know what I mean? So do you have any, any recommendations on what you would use for an elk broadhead or, or what you've seen work personally or with your pro staff?
1: I personally wouldn't be afraid to hunt with the 84 on elk. uh, But, you know, for, for a lot of, for the fixed blade guys, like I said, we have you know we have the hybrid, we have a steel version, and we have a titanium version. You can shoot a fixed or mechanical. That you know that's a great penetrating broadhead. It uh, you know we tested it in clear gel. It out penetrates a lot of other three blade six models, but also based on the A4 patents and design, we have the Juggernaut, and the Juggernaut is solid titanium barrel. Blades are really laid back. Uh, it has an inch and a half entry hole. It has a, a secondary cut of an inch and a quarter. And uh, you'll see if you ever look at a juggernaut, there isn't really much of a lever on the secondary blades. So those blades, if I shoot them in clear gel, they don't even open. You know, if you shoot the, you know, if you shoot the A4, or the X men it, it travels far enough. Eventually, those blades will open. Uh, but the juggernaut doesn't. The only way the juggernaut will open is in the cavity and the reason we did that is because for the hard quartering shots when the guys when the arrows really trying to travel a long distance uh we wanted to make sure that we didn't have any secondary blade deployment until it was in the cavity Mm -hmm. but just to get to the penetration point it out penetrates it out penetrates my fixed blades (laughs) because it's only two blades inch and a half right it's opening
0: yeah and And when when uh, people uh, are listening he what he's talking about is the secondary blade deployment. Um, we still have a massive entry wound.
1: Yeah. You still have an inch and a half cut. Uh, and I, you know, even this year I always, you know, if you look at my quiver, you're going to see probably four different heads in there yep. because that's, that's, you know, that's my job. I have to well, yeah, I shoot yep. them all. Uh, even on some this year with the crossbow Magnum titanium, which is a total of three and a half, so it's right at two-inch entry hole, uh, an inch and a half secondary cut. Uh, I will, you know, I'm, I'm going probably shoot 72 pounds, 440 grain arrow, you know, probably shooting 315 feet per second, 320 feet per second. So just to get back to the, the question, if I was hunting elk, I'm not a fixed blade guy. I created the hybrid for fixed blade people who just love them and have to have them, and that's why I did it. I also made it where you could shoot a mechanical. The cool thing about that out west is you could have you could have three in your quiver set in the fixed. You could have one in your quiver set in the mechanical, and if you do want to take a long shot on a mule deer or antelope, even if you want to take a new shot on an elk, or you take your first shot and then it comes out further and you take your second shot, you can grab that mechanical you know, the other ones do fly the same, but, uh, I mean, if you ever had a hybrid steel and in a closed position, it's smaller than a regular field point. I mean, it's tiny when it's closed. Right. So, but me personally, if I was going, if I was going out in the sure, I'd probably not each other.
0: Out. Okay. That's what I would have with. Like. And what, we, what we're talking about is, so SWAT broadheads is new to Archery Country, and we have them in all three locations. You also get them online. Um, what we have in the stores is the Model A4, which I think is a go-to 99 percent of the time. The cool thing about our relationship with Scott and SWAT Broadheads is I can call the company. Let's say you come in and said, "Okay, I listen to your podcast. I want to try a package of the A4s. Uh, my my wife's going to shoot the X mags for her for crossbow, but I also want to get you know what he talked about on the podcast. I can call SWAT, and you guys are going to send them to us. We're a dealer." So it's not, not that we're not carrying all of them. We just have the two in store at the moment, but we can easily get whatever. And you guys, the cool thing right on in here, um, thank you again for your service and and also all your employees. It's veteran owned and veteran employees, but they're assembled in the United States of America. And you know, as well as I do the last three years in especially the outdoor industry, but in archery, there are certain products we can't get this hands down flat out. We've had stuff on order for a year over years. There's even I I hate to even say this on the air, but there's even a broadhead company, a couple of them. We've had products on order for a year going on a year and we just they can't get the product. They can't get it to us not as much of a problem for you guys.
1: That's correct. We have, we have inventory and, and we work this time of year, we work pretty much seven days a week to stay, to stay on top of it. Uh-huh. The last thing we want, the last thing we want is order. That's a word we don't use. Yep. And you know, it's a military, it's a military mindset Yeah, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to get the job done. You know, and, and I think the, the, the other cool feature of us is when our blades come in, they're sharp, but we hand sharpen every blade. So, you know, um, an ex military guy has touched that blade. I, I won't get into how we do it. Yep. And we do change it from time to time. So every blade is hand sharpened. Every not every blade is tested for sharpness, but I would say probably one out of every twelve. Okay. You know what we do? What we do is we use a dental band on a pair nose pliers. And, you know, you shouldn't be able to feel the dental band. Yep. You know, it just pop. And, uh, matter of fact, I had to order 30,000 dental bands yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my shop guys, they were low. Yep. So, I ordered dental bands yesterday. So, that's how we test them. And, you know, every broadhead has been touched, assembled, sharpened uh, by a veteran. And, and, it's, and, and they love their job. You know, it's what they do. They, they, they love it. And, and I love that they love it. And, uh, and you know, we, and we do a lot of testing too. So I'd say twice a week I'll walk in the shop and the guys will have three or four heads laid up there. Uh, in, in my shop, just to kind of give you an idea, I, I have a 7,000 square foot facility, 3,000 of it we use for broadheads. The other 4,000, I have an archery shop in there. Nice. Uh, my, my son runs the archery shop. So we do have some crossbows in there. I'll take one of the crossbows and, We have we have a uh, a way we test it. We use a for penetration. We use standard clear gel for destructive testing, just to see how much it'll hold. We use we have a a metal shelf that we use. We have a a ton of them, so we shoot them through metal shelving, and we also shoot them through half inch OSB. That's usually our quick test. So we you know just to make sure everything's coming off the line the way it should. Usually twice a week, we'll do a destructive test test through half inch OSB. Just to make sure that you know a, we don't the pin hardness hasn't changed or blade hardness hasn't changed. Everything is the way it's designed. We check straightness seventy seventy five barrel, It's hard to bend, uh, and I can't guarantee that if you shoot something, they won't bend. But if you we have a, a little saying in the shop sixty sixty one is disposables, seventy seventy five is reusable. So if you're buying broadheads for sixty out of, made out of sixty sixty one. It's generally a one-shot deal.
0: I got you. In seven seventy-five, the T six aluminum, I think it's twice as strong. Uh, right. Most of our also broadheads
1: also cost me three times as much. I <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> uh, love it,
1: and I love it. I, I mean, if, if you really think about it, and, that, and you think about it in the industry from a manufacturer standpoint, it would be great to build a head for seventy-five cents a piece yep. and sell them for forty dollars a pack. Right. Well. It, it it, it costs a lot more to build one of my heads and you know, the blades, you know, it's kind of how the whole two blade thing happened. You know, it's very economical to build a two blade broadhead. Every time you add a blade, you add quite a bit of cost
0: to Mm -hmm.
1: the head. But the end result is a lot of blood trail and generally your animal go down.
0: And that's, that's a major selling point. Scott, I, uh, I love talking to you. We're, we're glad that we're teamed up with a great company. And again, United States of America, as we talk America, and veterans. Dude, we're going to put these to the test. And when I when I say that, I'm not just another pro shop because you guys own a pro shop. I'm not just going to say that like we will. Uh, when we have 20s plus employees that are rocking things, we're always trying. There's a ton of does that fall. There's a ton of guys that go out west. There's going to be some bears so we, uh, we're very, very excited. There's not a lot of products that come into the shop where we all jump on the bandwagon, but there's really, it's not a bandwagon. It's just called engineering, ingenuity, and dependability. And anytime you can add some blades to a fixed blade that's going to give you more damage, faster recovery, it is right in our wheelhouse. But, dude, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch maybe after the season, actually after ATA, Uh, Or maybe at ATA, I'll stop and we'll chit-chat just a little bit more and do a follow-up. But uh, I surely appreciate your time, dude. And again, uh, SWAT Broadheads, they're at all three of our locations. Stop on Scott's Facebook page, check out some of the cool videos. Also, you have a YouTube channel. It's SWATBroadheads.com or go to ArcheryCountry.com. You can chat with our expert uh, who is the first guy to shoot these. Um, be careful cause they're very fricking sharp and, uh, they're going to fly like a field point and everything else you can find. Thank you again for listening to Archery Country Podcast. This is Big Wade as we are signing out. We'll see you on down the road. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast.